0: Well, thanks be to God, indeed. Uh, hey, I'm really excited to be with you this morning. My name is Shane, and in the last little bit, I found myself surrounded by love stories, I've been celebrating love stories because it was just over a week ago that my wife Rachel and I celebrated our 21-year anniversary, and I know that in the last week, my colleague Melissa and her husband Dave also celebrated their wedding anniversary. I think they're up like 18 years or something like that, and our good friends Neil and Penny this week as well. I think those guys are like well into the 20s, so well done, all of you guys, and well done, Rachel and I. We celebrate love. But amidst the celebration of love stories, I've also spent some time studying love stories. And two love stories in particular that I've looked at this week are are love stories that are set in a particular period. And so to kind of understand them, you need to be able to accept their culture and their own particular style of courtship. Both the love stories I've been studying are love stories, like most, that go through a period of crisis before reaching their happy ending. And so the first love story was one I was introducing my wonderful daughter Mia to. Uh, we spent some time looking this week at the love story between one Miss Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy, of course famously from the Jane Austen novel Pride and Prejudice, which we watched as the BBC miniseries and thoroughly enjoyed together. Now, In that particular love story, there's, of course, a crisis to overcome, isn't there? Now, once again, I think I offended some English teachers last week with my grammar. I'm probably going to offend you again this week with my lack of understanding of English literature. But as I as I watch Pride and Prejudice, there's certainly that crisis of pride and prejudice that must be overcome. And so as I understand this love story unfolding to its happy ending, uh, I see pride and prejudice give way to respect and regard, as indeed Miss Bennett will become the new Mrs. Darcy. The second love story I've looked at this week is, of course, the one that uh, we heard a little bit about in our reading this morning, that of one Hosea and his wife Goma. I'm not sure how you feel about prearranged marriages. This is a particularly interesting prearranged marriage because it is one that God calls Hosea too, and says this in the first chapter, which we didn't read this morning, but i read it for you. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 2, God says to Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Again, don't know how you feel about prearranged marriages, but that's certainly one that you probably wouldn't be excited to be called into. For Hosea is asked to marry a woman who he knows is unlikely to be faithful to him. Indeed, she's not faithful to him. She has many intimate friends, uh, many different lovers. And indeed, as they have children uh, for Hosea, there's no guarantees that those kids are actually his children, which is particularly complicated in this time in Israel where family inheritance and family lines are particularly uh, of significance. Anyway, as we catch up with our not-so-happy couple in chapter 3, we find them in a particular point of crisis. You see, at this point, Hosea and Goma are not living together, but God wants them back together. And you'll see verse 1 coming up on the screen. Let's just orient ourselves. to it. The Lord said to Hosea, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Now, at best, what's being described here is that uh, Goma has left Hosea and she's shacked up with another guy. That's at best. Some reading this passage have contended that actually this woman of promiscuity has what you might call a manager, or in the colloquial language, a pimp. She's one who has sold herself into prostitution and uh, actually has someone who manages her, who has taken ownership of her like a possession somehow to rent out to, to many others. This is a crisis point for the relationship. And let me pause right here and say, if you're someone watching now who find and you find yourself or you know that you are in a space of promiscuity or some kind of life situation where you're living that way, I want you to know that this is not a passage that's designed to condemn you. This is a passage that is designed and speaks of God's love for you and for each and everyone. So stay with us. Let's look and see what God wants to do with me and what God wants to do with you. So here is Hosea called to show his love again to his wife who is loved or perhaps owned by another. This is a significant crisis for them to overcome in their love story. God says in that verse, Hosea, love her as I love my people. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. So here is Hosea and Gomer in this love story that has crisis, and we look to see what will be the basis of this love story. I'm going to contend right now that any similarities between pride and prejudice and Hosea and Gomer ends at this point, because this will not be a relationship, this will not be a love story that has its ingredients in respect and regard. This is a love story that will have two particular ingredients, and they are the ingredients of God's love story. They are grace, and what I'll I'll explain later as hesed. Grace and hesed. Hosea is to love this woman, Gomer, as God loves the Israelites. And so the first ingredient of this love story will be grace what is grace Well, perhaps verse 2 as it comes up on the screen will help us understand Hosea says so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley now we don't need to get stuck in the economics of what those actual currencies are but what we do need to observe is that there was going to be a price that must be paid You see, when we understand grace as a kind of love, what we are trying to understand is love that is unmerited. This is a woman who has left and departed from her husband. And probably, if we look at this fairly, you would say, it's probably not his impulse to think, oh, I love you so much, honey, for leaving me. Now, his love's quite unmerited at this point. But there's another element to gracious love. Not only is it unmerited it's costly but it's only costly for one you see in god's love in hosea's love in any love that is based on grace love is costly to the love giver and absolutely free to the one who receives it when we're talking about grace we're always talking about cost because grace is costly to the grace giver and free To the grace receiver, this is the first ingredient that is going to help rescue this love story of Hosea and Gomer. The ingredient is grace. The second ingredient comes from a word that might be less familiar to us. It's hesed. This is from the Hebrew word that describes God's unfailing, or to use another kind of language, steadfast love. Love that stays consistent. Love that doesn't change. Have a look at verse 3 with me as it comes up on the screen. Hosea, having paid the cost, having extended grace, brings Gomer to himself. Then I told her, he says, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same toward you. What Hosea is saying to Gomer is, our love must now not change. Come and be faithful to me, as I will always be faithful to you. Hosea, who has purchased his wife back from her slavery of a kind, now says, let us have a love that endures. Let us have a covenant, an arrangement based on hesed, unfailing Steadfast love that endures. Now, to understand a little bit of this special kind of love, both grace and Hesed, we can look back a little into this book of Hosea. Now, interestingly, in chapter 1, verse 6, God says this you'll see these, these words coming up Gomer conceived again, this is when they were first married, and gave birth to a daughter. To a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, "Call her lo ru, maha loru ma, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Now you might look at this and say, "'Whoa, whoa, this is weird. What happened to the unfailing, steadfast, never going away love? Well, this is a different word for love. What is being described here is compassion, and God says quite seriously, because of Israel's unfaithfulness to me, I will withdraw my compassion. I will allow them, in fact better, I will will them to go into a period of struggle. I will will them to be in a period that is not pleasant. It will be awful. And Hosea's marriage is going to be much the same there will be a period that will be quite awful. God says, I'll remove my compassion from Israel. And you might say, this is awful. This leaves a whole lot of stuff up in the air. But the truth is, this happens not because God hates Israel, Or because God is a vindictive God. This is because God wants to teach Israel. Because he wants to bring them back to himself. Why does he want to bring them back to himself? Well, chapter 2 verse 19 might help us with that. Where God says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice. In love and compassion. Now the word love here is that word hesed. Whilst there might be a season where God withdraws his compassion and allows his people, wills his people, to have the consequences of their unfaithful action, he will return, he will come back because of his unfailing, steadfast love, his hesed. Just as we learnt last week from Jeremiah 29.11, The God who willed that his people went into exile is the God who says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to destroy you. Plans to discipline you, perhaps. But plans to bring you prosperity and hope. Why? Because there is something underlying all of my action. It's an unfailing love. It's a hesed It's a love that is steadfast, a love that endures, and a love that just does not go away. And so as we examine this love story of Hosea and Gomer, we ask ourselves again, what will be the key ingredients to make this love story work? It will not be regard and respect. No, it will be something far greater. Hosea and Gomer will have a love that is based on Hosea's grace and his hesed, his unfailing love. For he has been told to go and show love to her as the Lord shows love to his people, Israel. You see, if you want to think about this in another way, God is the God whose love story has always and will always be based on his grace and his said. If you want an easier way to think of this, think of God as the God who is the God who pays and the God who stays. He is the God who pays and stays. He is the God who purchases his people back. He is the God who loves when love is not merited. And he is the God who through every season and every circumstance remains steadfast, strong, consistent, unfailing, unyielding, unstopping in his faithful love. And so as this chapter ends, we read in the final verses, For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household or gods, or household gods. They'll have a, a, a very barren season. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and his blessing in the last days. The love story of Hosea and Gomer is not really about Hosea and Gomer. It points to a larger picture. It points to the relationship between God and his people. And it points forward to that most perfect thing God will do when the son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, will come and lay down his life. Romans 5, 8 expresses it this way. But God demonstrates his love in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know if you notice something very special In that very special passage of scripture. In that passage of scripture, there is an expression of grace and an expression of hesed. You see, God's great love story demonstrated in the coming and the death and resurrection of Jesus is one of grace and one of hesed. Who dies in Romans 5.8? Does it say God demonstrates his love in this, that when we did the wrong thing, he killed us all? No. There's an expression of grace. Who died? Christ died. Remember, grace is always costly to the grace giver and freely received by the grace recipient. And so Christ dies to pay my price, to pay your penalty for your sin and for my sin. And so one way we remember grace is as an acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus Christ, his death is the perfect expression of that wonderful ingredient of God's love story with his people, grace. But it's not only a story of grace, it's a story of hesed. Because whilst Christ died, when did Christ die? Romans 5.8 again tells us, God demonstrates his love in this, whilst we were sinners. Whilst we were walking away from God, whilst we were enemies of God, whilst people like me and perhaps people like you said, I have nothing to do with you, Lord. God's said, did not fail. His unmerited love and his unfailing love meant that God made the first move the steadfast lover, the unfailing lover that is God, sends his son to pay my price, to pay your price. And so for us today, that means in every season, in every circumstance, and in every person's story, you can depend upon God's love. What I love about hesed and grace is that these two ingredients for God's love story change the way that I look at him and changes the way that I know he looks at me. Hesed means that in every circumstance, in every trial I might face, in every difficult season, I know that whilst my season might be unfortunate and horrible and just bleh, God's love is unfailing. His love doesn't stop. If you ever want to work out, look, with all this going on, does God actually love me? Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love in this. God, dem- God gives us a window, a space to look and see. Does God love us? Yes. For whilst we were enemies of his, whilst we were sinners, whilst we were lost in dysfunction, he kept loving. Know this, friends, in every season, the said, the steadfast, unfailing love of God endures. It changes the way that I look at him. What I love is that his grace changes the way he looks at me. Whatever my story is, whatever your story is, you know, I started a little while ago saying, hey, if your life is one that is in a loop of promiscuity, or maybe in a loop of some other thing that you just know in your tummy isn't quite right for you, is selling yourself short, and you feel like, gee, if Jesus was in the room, how would he look at me? He would look at you through the eyes of grace. This is the beauty of grace as an ingredient of God's love story with his people. It changes the way that I know he looks at me. He looks at me better than I ever deserve. He looks at you with a love better than you could ever merit. Hesed said and grace are the essential ingredients for any person who would want to have a love with God. And so this morning I've shared with you some love stories. Ho- Hosea and Gomer almost called Hosea Homer easy mistake to make. Hosea and Gomer reunited because of God's grace and his said. Today I want to ask you this. Is it time, is today the day for your love story with God to begin or be reunited depending upon his grace and his said, Is today the day for your love for God to be renewed?